Hey folks, welcome back to the podcast. This is The Finch Show, and I am James Finch. Uh, that's why it's called The Finch Show. Anyway, we're back. Got another episode. Um, I was really, really excited about this one. My guest was Dr. Anna Zakrisen, who is a Swedish-born uh, biologist and science communicator who currently resides in Berlin. Um, I reached out to her. She agreed to come on the podcast. It took me a little bit of figuring out the whole time change because they're like seven hours ahead of us. So us recording it like 9 a.m. here was like 4 p.m. there. It was crazy, but it worked great. Um, it was a really, really fun podcast. We had a blast and had a really good time talking. Um, <clears throat> before I get into the podcast, once again, I have to bring up our sponsor, Black Star Woodcrafts. You've heard me talk about it before. Uh, great stuff. My buddy Scott runs his shop out of Michigan. And as I've said before, you can find him on Facebook and Instagram. Just search Black Star Woodcrafts and you will find his page. You can contact him also directly through there and see what you're looking for. Also, newly added to the Black Star Woodcrafts repertoire is an Etsy page. So those of you who are into Etsy, Etsy, I know I am. I just recently got into it, you know, and it's cool. Like I love just going there and seeing different stuff people make and what kind of custom stuff you can get. Well, Scott's on there now. You can go to Etsy, search Black Star Woodcrafts, and you will find him. You'll find some of his products. And obviously with a place called Black Star Woodcrafts, he does just what it sounds like. He does woodcrafts. He does pens. He does bath caddies. He does bottle toppers. He does rings. He does clocks. Oh my God, you name it. This dude can do it and make it look beautiful and original and unique. And he loves interacting with customers. He loves going back and forth and talking about what kind of ideas they have, what kind of, you know looks they want to go with that whole creative process so you can find him on etsy you can also find him on facebook and instagram go there you can contact him directly through there just message him it will go straight to him not some kind of third party or some kind of answering service no it will go directly to scott and he'll start talking to you you know and he'll give you you know kind of ideas about what you're looking for um the feel of it uh, the price, and then about how long he can get that to you. And we're a month away. Jesus Christ, we're a month away from Christmas Eve, dude. Oh, my God, that literally just hit me. Um, so, yeah, you've got less than a month to get something really unique, something really different for a loved one or anyone for Christmas. You know, rather than something you just grabbed at Target or Walmart or Kohl's or Amazon, this is something that is... 100% custom made, made right here in America, and it's supporting a small business. Do it. You won't regret it. I've done it before. Heck, the wedding ring, the wedding bands that both me and my wife have were made by him. It's a metal ring with a wood inlay that's engraved and polished. It's absolutely beautiful. Last year for Christmas through him, I got my mother a custom made uh, crochet needle set with wood, different wooden handles that are all polished and stained and look amazing. Do not wait, do not hesitate, go there now. And because you're listening to this podcast, you will get 15% off your order through Blackstar Woodcraft. Just go there, tell him you got there through the Finch Show, and he will hook you up. So that's that. Go do it. I don't know why I'm still talking about it. You should have been there already. Anyway, back to the podcast. This is uh, Dr. Anna Zarikson. Uh, you can find her on social media. She goes by her page, which is Dr. Anna's Imaginarium. Um, really great stuff. I love, I've been following her for a long time. Um, communicate science in a very fun and effective way. And we had a lot of fun talking on this podcast, a lot of really interesting stuff. So I hope you enjoy it. 
So without further ado, here is Dr. Anna. All right, we are here. This is the Finch. I'm here with Anna Zachreason. How is life in Germany right now? Well, um, I would like to say it's great because that's what you do when Americans ask you how are things. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we are in the midst of a of a pandemic, so um, of course life is um, is not bad, but it's a little bit lonely because we have to be very isolated and separated from from friends and family, etc. So. How's the handling of the, the pandemic going in Germany? Well, I think Germany has handled this relatively well. Um, they, uh, Germany went into a complete shutdown in the spring when I was actually not in Germany. I was in Sweden during that time. Um, but I think the response has been fairly good. Of course, uh, nothing is ever perfect and uh, you can always find something that isn't good. But on the other hand, you know, we can't... We, we, we're not psychics. We don't know what the future is, um, is holding for us. So um, based on the data they had available, I think they made decent uh, decisions. Mm -hmm. That's good. It hasn't gone well here. <laughs> no, I, yeah. I, I know. I have, uh, I, have, uh, I have read and understood uh, that. You know, it's one of those things where it's interesting um, being Americans. Americans tend to have this very sort of rebellious sort of not liking authority sort of mentality about things and there have been times in our history where that served us well and right now it is like our achilles heel it is just it is absolutely you know um existing here in the middle of the country and just daily you know for the most part i gotta admit people are pretty good people are at the very least wearing masks uh, yeah. but you've also got a lot of it's like the anti-mask thing has almost become the anti-vaxxer thing where it's like, yeah. it, you know, it's all about control and that's all they're trying to do. And, you know, you're sort of like, what government is achieving control by getting you to wear a mask? Like, what, what yeah, are they especially achieving? When pe pe people are wearing, uh, uh, carrying iPhones and other, like, what, what do you tell telephones in their pockets where you basically literally can trace you so easily. And um, so they're basically using Facebook on their phone on a tra traceable device uh, to complain that the government is controlling them through wearing masks. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Well, it's, it's sort of like a rising issue. And I, I was interested to get your take on it, um, how prevalent this is in Europe versus here in the United States. But all these sort of things like anti-mask, anti-vaxxer, that mm. you can all kind of lump into this like anti-science sort of, bent that's happening right now which personally has me befuddled and just sort of like not understanding like if we live in an alternate dimension where things just don't make sense um is that as prevalent in europe as it is here in the states it's it's a little bit hard to to say um i think that some things are as prevalent here as in the states but then other things yet are not um we can see that um here uh we have a very big overlap between um, mask uh, non-wearers and right-wing extremism. 
whereas in Sweden, <laughs> the, the link uh, appears to be between non-mask wearers and uh, more left people. I, 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 and this is so weird because I, I speak both Swedish and German and I read the news from both countries uh, or listen to them. Um, I try to do that every day. And you get this completely different opposing views and it just... It just it had nothing to do with the facts. It has nothing to do with scientific facts. It's all just about populism and basically who, who, who. Okay, so group A gets into a position. So now it's completely irrelevant what that position is because in our false dichotomous society, if group B then hates group A, they have to have the opposing, opposing opinion. And now this is where you get completely bizarre situations like that, that, you know, the right wing people says the same as the left wing people, like compared like Sweden and Germany. And um, so, so, and this is like a typical, I mean, here you can really see that it really has nothing to do with the science. It just has to do with, you have to have the opposing opinion to the people, to the other group. And I think this, this dichotomous thinking is the death of our society. And, and it's like two-party thinking, two opinions. It's everything is just black or white. There are no like gray zones, et cetera, et cetera. And, and, and that, is, uh, that is very sad that people can't keep more than two thoughts in their head at the same time. Well, I think he absolutely nailed it. And it, it is so um, obvious to the point where it would be laughable if it wasn't so frustrating and in some cases even damaging, um, you know, and I, I look at it here in the States and you'll have, you know, left wing, left wing, right wing. And if you're left wing, you have to believe everything that left wing believes. And if you're right wing, you have to believe everything that right wing believes. I know. And if you say one thing that you think, okay, well, maybe this group actually has a point about this, then you get stamped as the enemy immediately. And you, you don't really have even the, the opportunity to just say, well, you know, maybe they have a point here. Uh, I'm not saying that the solution is good, but that we need to discuss this topic more. Um, and and I, I've had those situations several times from both left and right, or conservatives and liberals. And I'm like, but, but I'm a person with sometimes some conservative opinions and I have some liberal opinions. I have some, you know, I am a complex being with many different types of opinions. Um, I refuse to put myself into, you know, left wing, right wing or liberal or conservative. That is a stupid system and mm. I don't want to take part in it. <laughs> well, and it, it ends up giving you a lot of baggage because it seems like because of that, if you end up expressing like, let's say a liberal thought, then everybody's going to take everything that is known that liberals believe in, put that on you immediately. Like you don't have the opportunity to say, well, I kind of agree with the left a little bit on this and I kind of agree a little bit with the right on this. I'm just kind of, you know, but it's, if you were to like say something and then all of a sudden everybody's just all up on you and like, well, that means you probably think this and you think this and you think this. And it's like, there isn't, there isn't a lot of opportunity for like diversification of thought or ideas. It's just, it's pretty yeah. much pick your tribe and that's all there is to it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think, I think, uh, was it yesterday, the day before yesterday, I managed to be called a, a Nazi and a Marxist in within one hour. <laughs> I, I'm like, dudes, no, like, listen, <laughs> can we just take a deep breath now? And <laughs> well, that's also the landscape of social media for you. You know, yeah. it's like either side is ready to label you as the absolute worst. And those are kind of the things, isn't it? Like, like, if you don't agree with someone, you, you can either just call them a Nazi or call them a Marxist, and that puts them in their place, and then they get to move on with their life. And that's, <laughs> yeah. that's, um, I, I was just, um, of course, it's just a little after 9am here. So 
I haven't been up for too terribly long, so I'm just kind of catching up to it. What was the kind of like dust up that happened with you on Facebook earlier today? <laughs> oh, um, yeah, I, I basically uh, went in, um, I saw a, a post that I deeply disagreed with. So I shared it to my own prof personal profile and I made a comment um, on my personal profile. This was not on my public page. It was not anywhere else. Um, the, the post, however, was open, um, but it, it was really on my personal profile. So I made a comment there. Um, could I have chosen my words better? Probably, uh, but uh, did the outfall kind of prove my point? Yeah. Um, so basically, uh, the admin from that page went in and screenshotted um, my comments or my 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 comment. I, I only made one comment on my page and my my, my personal profile and posted it on her page with seventy thousand people, <laughs> and and basically uh, just uh, allowed a, a witch hunt to start. Uh, it was basically it was I think it was like two or three hundred comments within an hour. Everyone basically telling like, uh, how how a horrible person I am and that I should go to hell or whatever, whatnot. And I, I, I felt a bit like, you know, so I, I, I continue writing. It's like, hello, I'm Anna. I'm the one who made the comment. I'm happy to discuss with you. And this is why I made the comment, et cetera, et cetera. So I tried to sort of kind of be reasonable. But my comments were just continuously deleted. And, and, and she kept on posting about this. Um, and saying, you know, it's the most horrible thing and she has to go to therapy now and talk about this and stuff like that. And I was like, what? What, <laughs> what are you talking about? Uh, but, but, you know, it was a little bit weird because I, I, I mean, I, I've been on social media for, for a long time. I've, I've, I've had death threats, I've had rape threats, I've had dick pics, I've had it all. Um, and most of it, I, I have such thick skin, I, I just shrug it off. And, I, and to be honest, like, 99% of all the comments or like messages I get are lovely, nice, lovely messages. And particularly the ones I get from women who, who have problems with endometriosis or stuff like that. Lovely, lovely comments. Um, and, uh, but despite all of this experience I have with weird um, kind of fretful comments on social media, this kind of, this crawl under my skin and I can't really, uh, explain why it was such a trigger but it, it really really got to me uh, probably in a way that it, it, sh it shouldn't do but it really shows that um, no matter how um, hardened you are by social media uh, there's always going to be a topic or something like that that is going to get under your skin and that will actually uh, cause you to to actually um, yeah, basically become upset, um, which I thought I was incapable of, of becoming after all of these years now. Most of the time, I'm like, yeah, whatever, you know, and then I just go on and do something else. I can find like a, I feel a slight annoyance. Um, the only thing that I can get really upset about actually is if I, if I notice that I have posted something that was actually wrong, mm -hmm. then I get really upset, but then I get really upset with myself. Uh, yeah. And I've tried to, I tried to make retraction posts. If I, if I have posted something that was wrong, um, I have made it to my, my habit to put up a post and say, like, sorry, guys, fucked up. Um, I was wrong. Uh, sorry about that. Co shame, the, the, the cone of shame um, and et cetera. Um, but, uh, but yeah, this, this was something else weird. Yeah. Well, that's kind of the bizarrety about, um, <clears throat> I guess, the human brain now in dealing with the age of social media where 
you can get a thousand comments or, you know, messages that are really positive and uplifting mm. and it makes you feel really good. And then it just takes one to knock the whole scaffolding down, you know, yeah, just, yeah. just one asshole who's just like, you know what, fuck you. And then you're the mm. rest of the day, you're like, God, that guy, I'm, oh, you know, which when you think about it statistically is like the one tiny pee at the bottom of the pile. But for some reason, that's the one that gets you all riled up and just bugs the crap out of you. I understand completely. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm happy that you, you do that and you print the retraction post because I think that's something that is um, sorely needed. Again, in the age of social media, the amount of false stuff that you see posted out there and people still, you know, I don't know if it's pride or whatever and, you know, insist on sticking by it, insist on backing it up, even though every amount of evidence you can find can show like, hey, uh, yeah, that wasn't correct. You know, especially dealing in the age now of, you know, hashtag fake news. <laughs> and everything that gets bounded around that, you know, it, it's good to see people who are being responsible about it. So really, really appreciate that. The, um, yeah. So I'm going to back up a little bit. The, so being a biologist, at what point in time in your life did you say, this is the path that I want to go down? Uh, the biology, you mean? Mm, um, yes. Well, um, that's a little bit hard to say. I mean, I, I was always interested in biology. I thought it was pretty cool. Um so it was always an option of something that I wanted to do. Um, then I can't really say exactly how much of my choices were actually just made out of a habit because my family is kind of in that field. So to, to be honest, because um, I, um, I think I would also been happy studying psychology, for example, um, and such. So... Um, but I think it was around when, um, when I was like 21, uh, tw no, 20, 20, um, when I decided to, to read up my A-levels uh, and, and apply for university. Because I, it, it wasn't completely sh uh, like sure that I was going to go to university, to be honest. Um, I had been out traveling for a bit. I, you know, I had completely left Sweden, broken completely with my family, sold everything I owned. And I'd been out on the road traveling for, I think, like almost two years. And, um, yeah, so, so I had kind of, I was getting prepared to just sort of like live a nomad, nomad life and not, not really do anything like that. And then, um, yeah, I was actually, uh, having, <laughs> having a fair few, uh, gin and tonics with my friend, uh, Karina, um, when she was like, yeah, I fucking dare you to go and sign up for school tomorrow to like read up your sort of A-levels. I was like, well, fuck you, I'm going to do that. <laughs> and and uh, next day, hangover as hell, I, I went and signed up and I, I, um, I did the double speed um, A-levels that year and uh, worked like a crazy person to sort of like uh, feed myself during that year as well. That was, a, that was probably the hardest year I've ever uh, experienced in my life. Um, but um, got into Cambridge University that year. So um, against all odds, I think. Um, yeah. Managed to swear in my uh, interview. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. I, 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 they, they, I think they asked me something about, you know, my travels. And, and I told them about that time when I was uh, crossing from um, Swaziland into, no, it was from Mozambique into Swaziland. And uh, I basically got caught there with the, <laughs> with the border patrols. And they were basically trying to get me to stay there and basically disappear me. And... Um, Wow. It was a very, very dangerous situation, and uh, they basically, um, I ran uh, away from that border control to actually not uh, get stuck there as their sort of um, 
personal uh, whatever they wanted to do with me kind of person. So uh, that was very, very scary. And I told this story to them and, and, and they were like, oh, you must have been so scared. And I was like, yeah, fuck yeah, it would have been so stupid if I weren't. <laughs> so that was my entry interview to Cambridge University. <laughs> you got to tell me, was it a room of stuffy old white men who were just like, hmm. <laughs> or do they have a good sense of humor about it? Because that's a great story. <laughs> it, it was it was an all women's college, and I think they were quite uh, sort of uh, eager to 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 get in uh, to accept women with uh, a little bit uh, maybe colorful backgrounds. There, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I had I had all the grades and all the all the all the um, all the stuff I needed. So, so but but that's that's the problem. Uh, Cambridge, you know, everyone got the same grades. Everyone mm. got straight A's. Everyone got so you know they. <laughs> I think maybe maybe weird things like this is actually could can be a selector or daddy's money. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that. Um, <clears throat> so moving on from there, at what point in time did you decide that um, sort of being a science communicator was a route that you wanted to go? That's also an interesting story. <laughs> <laughs> Hold tight. No, just kidding. Um, no, this one isn't actually as as uh, as uh, adventurous. This one is basically I finished my PhD. I was in the middle of a divorce. Um, didn't know when to see my daughter again. I was stuck in Sweden. Couldn't get any unemployment pay in Germany, so I had to stay there for two three months during the whole divorce proceedings. And my daughter was here. It was just really fucking shit. And then I got back to Germany, and nobody wanted to hire me because I had a kid. Because they all assume that, you know, um, having a child as a woman, you'll be the only caregiver, basically. So so um, I was always like, every job I applied to, and this was almost like the worst part, I was always there until the bitter end. It was between me and another person. And I never got it. I never got it. And the, the problem is that if they could have at least kicked me out in the beginning of the process, I would have saved time. Mm-hmm. But they never did. So in the end, I ended up with a... With a PhD and five university degrees from elite universities like Cambridge University, Max Planck. Uh, I had been like a researcher at uh, Leibniz as well, like a guest researcher. So I ended up with a half-time position at Charity and making 1,200 euros a month for me and my daughter after oh my. all of those years and student debts. So, um, and this is when I slowly realized that, um, you know what, um, this research career is not going to happen. It is not going to happen uh, because I will never be able to, to uh, I mean, the, the chances of ever getting tenure is zilch. So um, I actually, in, in this process, I started Dr. Anna's Imaginarium, my, my, uh, my platform, as a kind of uh, keeping myself sane uh, project just to sort of like get up in the morning, write something, publish it. It's like, I published so many shitty articles during that time. I have deleted all of them. That were terrible, <laughs> terrible stuff. And the arrogance I had, oh my God. I mean, if you ever had Dunning-Kruger, communication Dunning-Kruger, Kruger, I had it <laughs> massively. It, I was shit. Oh my God, I was bad. And, and, but you know, I managed to get like, uh, I was on there and I still got things out and I got punched down again and again and again, people start, you know, uh, reading me and, and, you know, uh, criticizing, et cetera, et cetera. 
and eventually I learned and then I started to learn, I read a lot of books about marketing and communications. And then eventually I got a job actually as, uh, as head of uh, content marketing at the biotech uh, marketplace um, in which I learned uh, tons of stuff. And this is where my, my uh, interest for communication really, really, really grew. And I understood that it is uh, in the end marketing. And um, so, so I, I grew like a very, very strong interest in marketing uh, for the sake of communicating science. So that's basically where I, over the years now, I've become a specialist in, in the search engine optimization and content marketing. Okay. That, um, because I, I feel like as we talked about earlier, the whole like anti-science bent that's sort of going on across the world right now, people who are good science communicators are really, really important. Cause I feel like one of the hardest things to do is when you have someone who is decidedly in the other camp um, and engaging in that person in a way that can be informative, perhaps funny, maybe get them to think about their position a little bit more. Because I, I tend to think that if you just go at someone who you disagree with in an angrily fashion, that, you know, you're, you're just sort of shooting fire at each other. And, and it doesn't, you know, there, I can guarantee you there's never been a time in my life where I felt one way about thing and somebody who felt the other way came at me and started screaming at me. And I thought, you know what, you've got a good point. I'm going to have to rethink everything I've ever believed. You know, there's kind of a, a, a certain care that has to be or angle that has to be taken to um, do that in a proper way. Uh, I guess at the end of the, in all this, the question I have is, do you, do you put a lot of thought into that or a lot of care in how you approach certain subjects, especially through social media? I think, I think it depends on uh, for whom I, uh, I do work. So um, I, through my company, I, I do science communication um, for um, for a range of different um, different companies, and um, so so on behalf of them, um, I would communicate in a very very different way. And you know, you have to work out a strategy uh, that would fit for for their um, um, for their topic, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. The only thing that I, I have said, I say it also clearly on my webpage: I do not take on any project. Um, that I do not, um, uh, sorry about this, that I do not uh, ethically or morally believe in. Mm -hmm. So that's a statement that I have on my, on my page. And it might have lost me a fair few clients in the past, but I could not simply live with myself if I, if I took on some bullshit and I used the marketing powers to, to, uh, for greenwashing or something like that. I have zero interest in that. And, um, but then on my own platform, uh, Dr. Anna's Imaginarium, uh, the, the problem for me is a little bit time. Um, I have, uh, have a child, uh, you know, I have um, tried, you know, I need to make money on the side as well and, and, and et cetera, et cetera. So um, sometimes of course I don't have the, the time that I maybe feel like I should invest to uh, on, on, on social media and, and, and such. But um, yeah, my, my own platform has got, you know, the, the, the personal branding around that and the strategy I have there is, is, is different than, for example, the, the one I have for, for Purple Roof, for example. Um, but but the, the core uh, background is the same of mm -hmm. uh, scientific honesty and, and integrity, at least. Okay. That's always... Um... Yeah, I because one I, I think similar to what you were saying, I think I want to say back in like 2000, maybe 13, um, I 
I really, 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 really got into science, really, really enjoy it. But um, the difference is I think that um, at one point in time, I, I thought that when it came to science that I sort of understood the tip of the iceberg in terms of what all was there. The more I read into it, the more I realized like, no, the level I'm at is I'm just aware that there's even an iceberg, you know, <laughs> because there, there is so, so much. I remember I got into reading a lot of books by like Bill Nye and Neil deGrasse Tyson, Michi Okaku. And um, I, they were excellent people at being science communicators in the sense that they could talk, you know, on what we would call like the layman's level. Um, but whenever you you know, read an interview with them or something like that, where they get like really granular, really into the nitty gritty of some of that stuff. I just felt like my mind was going to collapse in on itself. And I, you know, eventually you just have to come to grips with the fact like, yeah, I'm too stupid to understand this. That's, but you know, they're smart. They know what they're doing. And you know, that's a great thing that they're able to explain it to people in a way that makes sense. But you're sort of, uh, I sort of went in this thing where I got really, really into the anti-anti-vaxxers you know, the anti, and especially like, uh, God, the, the one that bothered me the most, and I don't know how prevalent this is in the rest of the world, but um, the this sort of like anti-evolution mentality, which, you know, runs really deep here in America, you know, there's... Yeah, it and, doesn't, it, I, I, I can't really say that I've come across that even here. It's, really? it's just a scientific fact, like gravity. You know? Oh, gosh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, I, I want to say uh, like 40% of Americans believe in creationism and that which is an insanely high number and you know and it's so of course it's so rooted in religion and christianity and mm. and throughout the decades there have been numerous uh court cases involving school districts attempting to teach evolution and it, it's been any event the point the point i'm trying to make is that you know felt feeling the way i felt about it and how much that angered me i sort of felt like on social media i kind of got on a high horse about it you know, which, excuse me, which is an ev sad because it, eventually you turn into that person that everybody just hates, even though you're factually right, even though you're got all the information, everything there, people just get to the point where like, oh God, here's this guy again. Okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's kind of the area when it comes to these things you want to avoid, even though you may be in the right, you know, th the way you communicate it is extremely important, I think. Yeah. But it, that, going back to again, uh, it's, you, you need to think about who am I communicating with and why. So um, for me, um, I have come to terms with the fact that I might not communicate with anti-vaxxers or I might not communicate with flat earth people. I communicate with people who kind of like, I like to hang around on social media. They see a funny meme and oh, oh, that's a post about global warming. Maybe I should read it. Those kind of people. You know, the, the, the sort of in-between, mm -hmm. um, because the in-between people can easily become the anti-vaxxers or the flat earth people um, if they're exposed to that kind of information uh, too frequently and too much. So, um, and also the fact is that my, my target group is just like, if, if I'm being completely honest, um, it's pretty 50-50 men and women. And uh, I think it's a normal distribution with the peak around like uh, 35 or 40 years old or something like that. So um, I'm, I'm communicating to people, kind of my own age group, uh, my own social standing, uh, kind of my own political <laughs> convictions. But um, 
there, there are a lot of people in that target group that are vulnerable to, to uh, disinformation. So um, those are the people that I'm, I'm talking to. Um, I'm probably not talking to um, a housewife in Texas um, that votes Trump um, and believe in, in crea creationism. Um, so, so I think trying to communicate with everyone is probably a mistake. Try to figure out very clearly what and what, what is your target group? And then focus really on them. And if you get criticism, and if you get people telling you you're a complete dickhead from, from other target group, just put that and just put it aside and say like, there's always gonna be people who are not happy with this. Just as long as I can communicate with the group that I've selected and all is good. And then, and, um, yeah, so I think that that's what, something very, very, very important. That's, that, I think you nailed it on the head. That's perfectly put. I agree with you 100%. I cannot argue with that. Um, so switching gears. Did I, did I, because I've listened to a few of your podcasts um, and was doing some research, you know, in preparation for this. Did I understand it correctly? Are you a metalhead? Yeah, well. I... <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. That is awesome. You're talking to an old school American metalhead here. So yes. <laughs> <laughs> what, um, so here's a question completely unscience related, although maybe it is because it's cognitive. Um, you are, let's say nuclear war is about to break out, all right? <laughs> and you're going down into a bomb shelter and you're gonna be there for the rest of your life. You're allowed to take five albums with you. No, let's say this, five artists with you that you can take their entire catalog of records, albums, CDs, whatever. Where would you go? What would you take? Oh my God. Uh, I mean, there's, 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 there's a difference of like, you know, there's some bands that I think do really good music. Would I like to spend time with them? Probably not. Imagine being locked in with ministry oh, for the rest of your life. I mean, I'm just saying, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, well, ministry, I think would be something that I'll, uh, you know, I'll be happy. Um, then, oh God, this, this is really, really hard. Um, Pink Floyd. You know, good some 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 good gelat music. You know, good quality. Mm -hmm. I like that. Um, then, uh, uh, well, Karach Angren might might uh, but yeah. Um, then, um, hmm, this is really really hard. It's like I get too many bands in my head at the same time. Right. Something that actually. Um, I mean. I, I know that I can't I can't just listen to to uh, to metal when I'm there. So, so massive attack would probably bring with me as well. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, massive yeah. attack has meant a lot a lot to me um, through the years. Um, and uh, Motorhead. Mm -hmm. Oh yes. Motorhead would be really really good. Yes. If I, but imagine being locked in with Ministry and Lemmy. <laughs> for the rest of my life. I mean, I know he's passed to, to greener pastures, but just, just imagine. My God. You I'm not sure my life, my life would be very long. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'll, I'll manage like two weeks and then I'll probably snuff it. <laughs> I'm trying to imagine being stuck in an enclosed place with Lemmy growling at me for the rest of my days. That would just... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, I, and then I probably add my husband to that as well. He's also a musician, so... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I, I have to ask you because it's something that I, I am probably pretty ignorant about, but nonetheless fascinated. Is I in doing research for this, I came across um, a page about a thing called the Manhang. 
<laughs> yes. It, I am insanely fascinated in it. And rather than attempting <laughs> to explain it to the listeners, I'm just going to let you do it because this thing's like freaking metal as hell, man. Yeah. So, so basically, it's, it's an opera piece. Um, so um, we, or my, my husband, Joa, um, he's an opera singer, um, kind of an international career. And he used to be a metal singer, actually, before he became an opera singer. So he had a metal band and, and such. So he's like a metal dictionary. But anyway, so um, we also do um, a lot of secure stuff, like body suspensions, like hook suspensions. Uh, okay, so basically hook suspensions, when you put hooks underneath your skin and you hang yourself in your own skin, basically. I know it sounds completely insane. It's probably, it's, it's a lot less dramatic than, than it looks. Um, but um, so anyway, so uh, with Joe had decided to do, do an opera called, uh, based on um, Eight Songs for a Mad King. It's basically an opera about uh, Mad King George, uh, T. George, as you know him in the, in the US. <laughs> and um, who, who I think he said something, somebody says like, you know, yeah, he, he lost America to the Americans. <laughs> <laughs> but um, anyway, so King George was pretty mad. And uh, so we had, had this music um, which is kind of mad music as well. But the whole opera, started, it was an opera festival, and the whole opera started with a scientific lecture of about 10 minutes where I talked about um, what, it was kind of a performative lecture, so it was a little bit of fire and a little bit of this and that uh, in the beginning. And it was kind of a part of the, of the whole performance as well because I, I was playing a doctor then who actually brought uh, the Mad King George on stage as well, etc. And then we had the opera piece where it was basically singing about the sort of like um, subjective experience of King George, you know, his hallucinations, he sings about all these things that he sees. <clears throat> and then at the end, uh, uh, Joa was basically getting hanged up in his hooks and we had built like little microphones so basically took up the, uh, the muscle contractions of the muscles of his own body so we looped them in so you got this like weird like uh, like crunchy sounds of, of the muscles contracting when he was actually suspended in the hooks and he um, and he sang this kind of a duet with his own like muscle contractions when he was hanged at the end to sort of uh, get the the audience to feel a little bit more uh you know it was just the, the 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 idea was basically to get the the scientific lecture the the sort of like more um outside view the sort of subjective view and then have the audience actually feel the the pain themselves a little bit towards the end and it was like you know came out at, at the end and it was just like it was just like gray hairs in the whole salon in an opera festival and i was like jesus fucking God, what did we just do and I got out like and, and we like walked out afterwards on stage to just you know to bow and all that and it was just silent and I was like no fuck no this is like you know what did we just do and then it was just like storming applause and people standing up and stuff like that so it was it was very popular and much but I, I had I had a bit of a panic moment <laughs> <when I started> <laughs> That has got to be one of the most metal fucking things I've ever heard in my life. That <laughs> Thank is, you. So, so that micro, science micro, communication. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So <laughs> microphones picking up the muscle contractions. Yeah, yeah. That is so out there, man. That is awesome. Yeah, that was, it was really pretty cool. Uh, we, we, we got help from, uh, from a guy who, um, who's uh, built these and then released the sort of like pattern to, to the sort of like uh, comments. And I, I mani we managed to like solder it all together and stuff like that. So we really built everything on our own as well. So we had it a little bit of a, 
sort of uh, crafting sessions. <laughs> <laughs> that, um, so when you do body suspension, how, how deep into the body do you have to go for that in order to kind of be weight bearing, I guess? Yeah, I mean, the skin is pretty tough. Mm-hmm. Um, so so if, if you take like this, um, that, that would be enough for, for, for a hook. You know? Oh, okay. Yeah, so, so you just grab it and then you need to make sure that you, you massage it properly like this. Because that way you massage away um, all the um, uh, blood vessels and nerves and stuff like that. But you, and you're not, not supposed to let go of it. You have to keep holding it and then, and then insert the hook. And have a professional piercer and body suspender do it for you. Do not do this on your own at home because you can get nerve damage and all sorts of stuff. So don't do that. Yeah, don't have your buddy Matt, who's like really into math, be like, yeah, bro, I can do that for you. No problem. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Let's that hang is, you in the butt. <laughs> that's probably not the kind of performance that you could like do daily and be like, oh gosh, it's Saturday. We got a matinee and a night show. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, not really, I think. <laughs> that is, oh wow, that is crazy. Well, hats off to you for doing it. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap this thing up, but again, I, I really, really appreciate you taking the time to come on and um, hope everything in, in Berlin and Germany and Europe goes continues to improve and we're gonna keep on holding fast here in America and hope that eventually brighter minds prevail on this whole thing. Yeah, let, let's let's hope so. Yeah, <laughs> I think. Um let, let and it looks like there will be some brighter minds in office soon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, we're hoping so, you know, and it, it it's frustrating because and I understand that it's a rough position to be in. Um in that by shutting everything down, um when you live in a largely capitalist society, that's very, very damaging. You know, you have a lot of, you know, even the community I live in, there's a lot of mom-pa shops, you know, a lot of family-owned restaurants and bars and stuff like that, that some of which are gone under and even more will continue to go under. So I understand for those people, it's extremely frustrating to watch, Mm -hmm. you know, decades worth of their life that they've built just collapse right before their eyes. I understand that. But the flip side of it is, is that, or more people die. You know. Yeah, it is. It is really, really hard, and and that's another discussion we need to have about the balance between those those two things. And also, maybe we should stop compa- comparing different societies. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, you cannot compare Germany with the U.S. Germany has a very, very strong social security system. Um, if people get sick, they will get sick pay. If people get unemployed, they will get unemployment money. You know, if people go on social welfare, they go on social welfare, and it's um you know this the state will basically uh, create support packages and uh that that you can apply for etc etc so there is a completely different type of uh support system here mm-hmm. so um i think it's deeply unfair to to make that comparison with the us where uh basically the the social system looks completely different mm-hmm. and um Knowing also the the little uh, support there is, for example, for people with with children, or, or if uh, if you just are sick and missing from work, and that you have very little protection as an employee, that you know you can get fired extremely easily. So if you if you say, for example, I'm sick, I need to be home, you might actually find yourself without a job, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And it is a completely different um, environment to be in, mm-hmm. and um, it's. Uh, it's another one of those situations where um, it's it's complex. 
Yeah. Um, and but I, I think we can all agree that the the way that the Trump administration handled it from the start was not very very efficient. Right. Well, he was you know he was one hundred percent thinking re-election. That's all he was thinking about. If the yeah. economy tanks, he's not going to get re-elected. So yeah. for him, and of course, being you know, uh, you know the amount of psychological labels I could put on him, I could go on mm. forever. But when you're basically when somebody who doesn't give a shit about other people, it's real easy to mm. be like, oh, it's not that big a deal. It's it's yeah. a hoax, and the media's just playing it up to make me look bad, <laughs> and it's fine. Go ahead and go out there and have your bonfires and have your parties, and everything will be fine. And then it continues to spread. And yeah, never mind the fact that when he got it. You know, he was able to get 100% socialized health care and the best care in the world to exactly yeah. make sure that he's okay. But, you know, mm -hmm. the, you know, your, you know, your buddy Matt down there, who's really into meth and wants to do, you know, body hanging on you, he's not doing so well, you know, he's just kind of, but that's the problem that we have in the United States is anytime you bring up any of that stuff, like, you know, paid sick leave or universal health care, you're just labeled a socialist and borderline ran out of town. It's like, you know, yeah. we're, we're not allowed to have that stuff here, even though, you know, they, they always love to bring up, you know, when you mentioned that several European countries, you know, Germany and Sweden and France have done very, very well with that. And of course, there's always going to be pros and cons. There's going to be up and mm. ups and downs to things that need to be handled. Um, the, you know, the, the, the argument always is they, they've somehow got it into these people's heads that, yeah, but those countries are tanking, you know, their economies are collapsing and they're not in you know, Again, it goes back to the mm. communication thing. Like, how do you get people <laughs> to understand that you know, most of what you're understanding about this is completely wrong? Mm. Yeah, yeah. And also the fact is that, you know, I find it uh, often that um, many U.S. Americans have a hard time distinguishing between socialism and social democracy. Mm -hmm. um, so socialism being uh, the old GDR with Stasi and, <laughs> yes. and something that uh, the economy really tanked. It mm -hmm. didn't work. Whereas social democracy is something that has been very successfully implemented in the Scandinavian countries, in Germany, in France, uh, all over Europe, mm -hmm. uh, with very, very strong economies. And um, there's, a, there's a strong element of capitalism in all of these countries. Um, it's just that we have certain aspects of society are, are socialized. So we have social democracy. And that is very, very different. And it appears to me that that is the most stable system. There is a, a net for people to fall into should they fail. And uh, of course, there are going to be some cheaters in the systems. But to be honest, I rather pay a few cheaters than having a lot of people suffer and fall through the system and work themselves to death or not being able to pay for their cancer treatments. Mm -hmm. um, I don't care if I have to, if there are some, some cheaters in the system, you know, we just have to make sure that we build a system that is uh, with some checks and balances. Right. Well, in America, they have a, there's a hard time differentiating between socialism, uh, democratic socialism and communism to people. It's all the same. Yeah. You know, you try and tell them, oh, we want to do this. Oh, well, you just want to be Stalin and just have the government run everything. It's like, <laughs> yeah. oh, my Lord, I don't yeah, they, they, we, we, we end up, We end where we, we started, you know, either yeah. you're a Nazi or a communist. That's, like, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's all there is to be in life, Nazi or communist. One camp or the other, pick one. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, all right. Well, I'm going to let you go. Again, 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 thank you so much for taking time to come on the podcast. Um, Wish you nothing but the best from here in the States, and hopefully we'll talk to you again sometime. Yeah, thank you. It's been fun. All right, thank, thank you. you. All right, so that was the podcast with Dr. Anna Zarikson. I uh, hope you enjoyed it. Um, overall, I hope you're enjoying the podcast. I want to thank everybody who's reached out to me through private messenger and text and everything else like that. 
All of your feedbacks, good and bad, helps as I continue to try and get better at doing this thing. I still think I suck at it, but you know, I'm doing everything I can to get better. Um, so I want to thank you, everyone. Um, if you could please like, share, subscribe, pass along, tell a friend, tell them to tell a friend, um, send them you know, a messenger pigeon to somebody you know and tell them, hey, check out the Finch Show podcast. And do me a big favor. If you're listening to this on a Apple-supported device, up in the corner there's a spot to leave a review. Uh, if you could give us five stars or not, if you really just don't like the podcast, that's fine too. But every little bit of that helps. Um, I want to thank you all. I love you all. Take care of each other, and we'll talk to you again.